Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me okay? Great. Um, so, um, as Jan said, I'm here this morning and I have the absolute privilege to share with you um, some of the words and thoughts that I feel that God has put on my heart um, around communion and community. Um, I didn't quite expect to be sharing with you this morning in my very fragile state. So I have to apologize if I don't get through it. Um, I will uh, record it so you can listen to it another time, but let's see what God does. Um, so for those of you that are new to church, <clears throat> you might have seen tables at the front. We've got two tables here this morning with bread and goblets of wine and people serving them or the goblets being passed around and the bread and or people kind of gathering in, in different points around the the, the room, and it might look a bit strange, <clears throat> but this is called communion, and we gather around the communion table. So today, I want us to look at why we do this, who gets to do it, who gets to gather, and what the point is, the so what, what's the more. So to start with, let me explain a little bit about Passover, because we're going to look at a passage from Scripture in a moment, and it happens around Passover. So Passover is a Jewish festival um, that Jesus would have celebrated. And it's a time where, where the Jews remember what God had done for them, where they remembered the Israelites being freed from slavery in Egypt. You can read about it in the book of Exodus, and I'm not going to go there today. I'm not going to do an Adam where he starts in Genesis and works all the way through. Um, <clears throat> but after God had rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, he said to them, remember the covenant I've made with you when I saved you. And so Jesus, being that good Jewish man that he was, <clears throat> We're celebrating the festival of Passover. So we're going to pick up in, um, in Luke's gospel, um, <clears throat> a piece of scripture that for those of you that have been around a long time will be hopefully very familiar, but for those of you that are new to church, you might never have read this before. Um, but we're going to pick up this scripture, and um, it's uh, the Lord's Supper, and it happens at the time of Passover. So Jesus has been celebrating the festival of Passover. Okay. So if you want to turn to your Bibles, you can do, but hopefully it's on the screen for you to be able to read it clearly. Luke 22, verses 14 through to 21. And it says this. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, the he being Jesus, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it 
and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. So shortly before this happens in the Gospels, Jesus has predicted his own death. The woman has poured perfume on his feet, if you know that story. The Jewish leaders and the chief priests want Jesus dead. And Judas Iscariot has recently been paid 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. After this happens, so right after the Last Supper, we see um, Peter told that he's going to deny Jesus three times, and he refutes this. He says, no, Lord, no way, I would never deny you. And before the morning, he's denied Jesus three times. We see the disciples falling asleep when they're supposed to be keeping watch in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see Jesus betray Jesus with a kiss and hand him over to those leaders and chief priests. We see Jesus crucified, but on the third day, he rises. So it's all getting rather busy, messy, dramatic, traumatic, painful. And we know pain today, but also there's victory, there's hope. There is a new day. But all of that hadn't happened at that time, had it? All of that hadn't happened when Jesus is sharing that Last Supper. And I don't think the disciples really believed that Jesus was going to die. I just don't think they had any comprehension that that was going to happen. It must have been really quite confusing for them at that time. You know, if you kind of put yourself in their shoes... What did this actually mean? What was he going on about with the the wine and the bread and the... He'd come to save the world, not to die. But Jesus says at that Last Supper, remember me. He didn't say, do this in remembrance of me so that you may create rituals and rules and religiosity. Let me say that again. He didn't say, do this in remembrance of me so that we create, create rules, rituals, and religiosity. That is not what this is about. He said it to remind us of who he is and what he has done for us. So you see, Passover had been the old covenant that God had made to those Israelites, to Jesus' descendants. No, Jesus' ancestors. To Jesus' ancestors. He told them to remember that he had saved them. And Jesus is the new covenant. Jesus, the ultimate sacrificial lamb. 
it is he who we remember at the communion table. Who he is and what he has done. Jesus shared that last supper with his disciples, as I've said. Not noblemen, not religious leaders, but the 12. The fishermen, the tax collector, the headstrong and the doubter. And he did it with the one he knew had already betrayed him. But he still did it. He still invited them. That ragtag bunch. And when we fully grasp what Jesus did that day with those disciples, when we fully grasp, we realize that the invitation is for everybody. We're all invited. We, the ragtag bunch, we're a bit of a, a bunch of misfits and, and brokenness. Certainly this morning I feel very broken, um, but I know that Jesus loves me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, we the adults and the children. We the homeless and the homemaker. We the hurting and the healer. We the precious and the penniless. We the sinners club, the church. We are all invited. So if you're sitting there this morning feeling like that doesn't apply to you, let me tell you you're wrong. Because Jesus is here for each and every one of us. We are all invited onto this journey with him. Don't miss the opportunity to meet him today. Have you ever thought about why you actually come to church? What are you doing here? I know I do sometimes. <laughs> what am I doing? <clears throat> why do we gather like this? I think some of us come because it's what we've always done. You know, we get, went to church as a child and we, we just, it's just part of what we do. Some of us, it's something that we choose to do. We've had that encounter with Jesus and it's very clear to us that being part of a church family is very much part of being a follower of Jesus. <clears throat> Some of us, well, we're really not quite sure how we're here or why we're here and we've fallen into the room this morning and we're wondering what on earth this woman at the front is actually talking about. Um, <clears throat> Some of us are still trying to work out what on earth we're doing here and we've been coming for quite a long time. Someone or something has nudged us to be here this morning. Some of us might come because we've got friends here. I know that with our teenagers, actually having friends in church is a real pull to come to church. It's the only reason that they come to church sometimes when they're in those you know, formative growing years where they're rebelling against everything and they're questioning everything and we love questions. Questions are good. If anybody tells you that questions are not good, let me tell you that then they're lying. Questions are good. 
<clears throat> but coming because we've got friends here, that's not enough, is it? We come because of something. We come for something. Because of Jesus. For Jesus. For his death and his resurrection. Defeating sin, death, fear, evil. It changes us. Changes everything. That beautiful exchange. Jesus exchanged death for life. Despair for hope. Darkness for light. And everyone is invited into that exchange. Some of us this morning might be feeling really hopeless. Some of us might be feeling that despair. Jesus meets us in the midst of that. So when I was preparing for this morning, and my title of communion and community, I thought, what would any reasonable person do? I've said this before up here, well, you Google it. So this is what the dictionary says of community. Community might be described as a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. Or it could also be described as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of common, sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. You see, the thing that we all have in common, whether we recognize it or not, is Jesus. Because we are all included. We are all loved by him. We are all invited, and we are all welcome. We're welcome to partake and to participate. To forgive and be forgiven. We are all included in this. Nobody is on the outside of that. And we're part of something bigger. We share common principles. So we don't just benefit from this exchange. We live it out. We live it out for our whole community. Our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, our colleges. These principles of forgiveness, generosity, and love that Jesus shows us. We are people who find rhythms of resurrection. And we love because God first loved us. You might not feel very loved this morning, but let me tell you that Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of love. He gave everything for you and for me. 
and it has to mean something. This isn't just about understanding that Jesus was the Son of God and he died for us and, um, and so because of that we, we come week by week and we gather and we sing songs and we pray and sometimes we have bread and wine and we go to a small group. That's just where it starts. Because love looks like something. Love looks like something. So what does it look like for you and for me? It might look like giving a can of food into the, the, the Lord's larder, to the food bank. It might look like having coffee with a friend who's considering divorcing their spouse. It might look like volunteering as a, a mentor at Yeovil for Family or volunteering with, with Coralie and her Poppins team <clears throat> or at Youth Drop-In or as a street pastor. Or it might look like sitting in the midst of a family grieving in the most unspeakable pain. <sighs> Many of you might know, I think it's a Tony Campolo story of a, a little boy on the beach, the starfish story. So. There's a boy on the beach, and there's a guy walking along past the beach, and on the beach there are tens of thousands of starfish. And there's a little boy stood on the beach, and he's picking up starfish one by one, and he's throwing them back in the sea, and he's picking up another one, and he's throwing it back in the sea. And the guy walking along shouts to the little boy, and he says, what are you doing? What's the point? There's thousands of them. And he picks up another one. And he says, but it matters to this one. It matters to this one. What you do for somebody might feel really small and insignificant, but it matters to this one. We, this week in our family, had a pretty horrible week. Um, and... Um, we spent much of our week sitting with our son and his friends, trying to get their heads around the death of their friend. I mean, what do you say to a room full of 18-year-olds? What do you say? You love them. You hug them. You cry with them. You hug them again. You make a cup of tea, lots of sugars. You feed them. You find a sleeping bag and make beds up for the night. Because that's what we do, right? Because love looks like something. That's what it looked like in our house this week, for much of our week. Doesn't mean it's easy. We want to be a church that if God said to all of us, <clears throat> I have spoken and you are all to move to deepest, darkest Peru, and we all followed and we were all obedient, wouldn't that be amazing if we were all obedient? Um, <laughs> but if we all genuinely got up, packed up our stuff, and we, off we went to Peru, that this town, Yeovil, and this area 
would be less because we're not here. That not simply because of our physical presence would we be missed, but because of our present. Our being, our sitting with, our standing for. Some of us in this room might do really powerful, big, responsible things. You know, I could tell you about all the meetings I've been in the last few weeks where God is doing some amazing things and we are having some amazing conversations with hospitals and councils and schools and... But what I really want to share with you is the sitting with of those boys in the midst of their pain. That's what love looks like. So we gather around a table where everyone is invited, where we remember God's love so that we might impact the world around us, so that we might demonstrate God's love and transform our community. Where simply that looks sometimes like loving the person in front of us. And lives are transformed because of who Jesus is. Jesus didn't say, do this in reverence and solemnness of me. He said, do this in remembrance of me. The table is a place of celebration. The table is a place of hope. The table is a place where we come together. That place of remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus for each and every one of us. Communion is not a ritual to revere, but a person to worship. Jesus is less concerned about the method of celebrating communion and more concerned that we actually celebrate it. So let's do that. I want to give us space for that this morning. Uh, Musicians, please could you... um, Come and join me around here. We're going to do this. Um, My invitation to you all this morning is to come to the table just as you are. Whether you're full of joy or sadness, whether you think you've got all the answers, or whether you think actually you're the one with all the questions. The invitation is for all of us. Come as small groups, come as families, come on your own or join in with others that you meet along the way. Come in celebration, come in desperation, come in brokenness, come in hope, come in remembrance. And remember, love looks like something.
What does it look like for you? Um, what I want to do is I want to invite you guys actually to share communion, just the, the three of you will be quiet for a few minutes, is that right? So please can I have the servers um, up to the tables? And what I would like us to do, this might get a bit messy, and I think I've done a lot of messy this week, so I think messy's okay. Um, I want to invite our musicians, normally they end up doing communion at the end or kind of grabbing it between holding onto their keyboards. I want to invite our um, our musicians to actually share communion together first. And then come, come to the tables as you see fit. If you're part of a small group, gather your small group around you. If you've come with some people from your family, gather your family around you. If you've come on your own, maybe somebody will reach out and invite you to come to the table with them. And it's okay, come on your own. <clears throat> and our lovely servers will serve you and stand with you. But let's take this time this morning to really remember why we come to the table. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you. <clears throat> thank you for what you did for us. Thank you that we get to remember you in the bread and in the wine. Thank you that you said, I am the bread of life. <clears throat> and that whoever eats of me will not be hungry. Whoever believes in me will not be thirsty. May that be true for each and every one of us this morning. Amen.